0: Amen. Thank you, Joe. We're studying passages in the book of Luke, and I invite you to take a copy of God's Word and look back to the book of Luke this morning, book of Luke chapter 18, as we look at verse 18. Book of Luke chapter 18, We'll begin reading with verse 18. We're looking at this sermon series, looking at events in life of Jesus in the book of Luke as he has encounters with people. And we've been looking at different encounters. And today we're going to look at an encounter that really is important because it's it's recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And each gospel gives us a little more information about this encounter. And so we have to look at all three uh, gospel accounts to really get a full picture of what's taking place here. Book of Luke, chapter 18, beginning with verse 18. This is how it begins. A ruler questioned him, saying, Good teacher, What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And he said, all these things I have kept for my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you possess and distribute it to the poor, And you shall have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. But when he had heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. And Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they heard it, and they said, Then who can be saved? But he said, The things that are impossible with people are possible with God. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we pray today that you all give us insight into your word, that, Father, you will use it as a mirror showing ourselves. And help us, Father, that we'll ask the most important question of all and have an answer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. A few years ago in a science magazine, they listed the most important questions in life. Some of the questions were, what is reality? What is life? What is free will? Where do, what happens after we die? And they had all these questions concerning about possible questions that, that we need to have answers for. And, and what's interesting is I read the article, some of those questions are actually answered in the Bible but one question they did not list is the most important question of all is the most important question we need to ask and we need to have an answer in fact this morning if you haven't asked the question you need to and you need to find the answer and that question is how can we have eternal life how can we have eternal life That is the most important question you'll ever ask, because that answer will determine where you will spend eternity. It's a very serious question. And this morning in our text, we find a man asking Jesus that question. Now, he asked it in a different way, but that's the question. He's asking, how can I have eternal life? Now, I love this story. And again, we find the story in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And really, you can break it down almost like a book. There's different chapters in it. So let's look at it, beginning with chapter 1, and that is the profile. The profile. It begins in verse 18. A ruler questioned him, saying, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? A ruler comes to Jesus and asks him a question. Again, Matthew, Mark, and Luke gives us different information about this person. So we have a profile of this man. First of all, we know he was a man of power. A man of power. We know that because it says in verse 18, he was a ruler. That, that Greek word is the word arkan. archon. Archon, it, it has the idea of someone who has authority. Usually it meant someone who's in the Sanhedrin, someone who was in charge of something. That Greek word archon meant that it, it, he had a connotation of always being first. This is the kind of guy that never stood in line, okay? This is the kind of guy that was always first. This is the kind of guy that walked down the street and people saw him, they got out of the way. He was used to having his own way. He was a man of power. That's what that word means. Secondly, we know he was a man of possessions, a man of possessions. We, We learned that in verse 23. It says, when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. This man had a lot of money, and he had a lot of possessions. That word rich in the the greek language means to have more abundantly than other people I'll say that's rich But luke adds another phrase He's extremely rich That word means greatly multiplied many times Here's a man who had a lot of riches more than anyone else Multiplied many times we would say his riches were off the scale you know there's an old joke that used to say, you know, money can't buy happiness, but it can put a down payment on it. You ever heard that? That's not really true, though. Money can't buy happiness. A few years ago, a watchmaker, Romain Jerome, introduced to the world a crocodile skin strap watch, which he called the Titanic DNA night and day watch. In fact, it actually had part of the Titanic in the watch. Now, this watch was unlike any other watch in the world, unlike any watch that had been made before. Because not only did this watch have parts of the Titanic in it, it doesn't show time. You heard me. It doesn't have any hands on the watch. It doesn't have a minute hand. It doesn't have a, our hand. This watch will tell you one thing. It will tell you if it's day or night. It's based on uh, uh, electromagnetic pull. That when it's daytime, it goes one way, the, the watch, and if it's nighttime, it goes the other way. A watch that tells you if it's daytime or nighttime. Here's a thought look outside. I mean, I still don't understand why we have AM, PM in the car clocks. I mean, who's ever been driving down the road and look, oh, it's 2 o'clock. I wonder if it's 2 o'clock in the morning or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Who does this? Why is there AM, PM on clocks? An inquiring minds would like to know. So this watch will tell you by looking at it if it's AM or PM, if it's daytime or nighttime. This is how the ad advertised it. The world's first, an exceptional timepiece that does not indicate the time. With no display for the hours, minutes, or seconds, the day and night offers a new way of measuring time, splitting the universe of time into two fundamentally opposing sections, day versus night. A new interpretation of time. Based on the two to billion operating sequential in order. The day operates during the day, defining the where's period of activity and stops after 12 hours, handing over to the night time to dedicate the man's own private sphere. So this watch, you can look at it to tell if it's day or night. Now they didn't make many of them, okay? They only made nine of them. They sold out immediately. It sold for $300,000. three hundred thousand dollars for a watch that doesn't tell time later a couple of years later he made another watch almost identical but this time it told the time you could actually tell the time but it was cheaper now here's my question why would someone pay three hundred thousand dollars for a watch that doesn't tell you the time all it tells if it's day or night do you know why there's only one reason the love of money. If you have a lot of money, you think you deserve what other people can't have, or you become bored with life, and you're always looking for that new toy. You're trying to find something that will satisfy your soul. Well, this young, this man, he would have had one of those watches. He was extremely rich. Third, he was a man of purposelessness. He didn't have a purpose in life. And uh, you say, well, how do you know that? Well, Matthew accounts in Matthew chapter 19, verse 22, it says that he was a young man. That the Greek word there means he was somewhere b- between the age of, of 24 to about 40. In other words, he was young. In that time period, that was very important. He was looking for something. Matthew said, this guy was a young ruler. He was someone who had youth on his side, and yet he was missing something. He was missing his purpose in life. Now, that's still taking place today. A study a few years ago discovered that those between the age of 18 and 24 said a clear purpose in life is what they're looking for, is a big part of their life. And yet only 43% of them said they had a purpose. The other said, we don't have a purpose, and we're trying to find out what that purpose could be. Christine Will and professor concluded the study. She said, this study isn't good news. Coasting is existing, not thriving. The majority of young adults who say they don't have a clear picture of what they want in life are also saying they are simply existing and not thriving, while those with purpose often say they are thriving. Now, Here's something I've learned. That's just not young people. More and more, I'm hearing hearing older people tell me, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And because they don't have a purpose, they're very frustrated this man comes to Jesus, this young man. He was looking for purpose. He had success, but he wanted significance. And he's searching for something. You can almost hear the way he asked the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? There's got to be more to this. Number four, he was a man of piety. He had religion. I mean, he knew his Bible. When Jesus asked him a question, he knew the Bible. In fact, he kept most of the commandments, and yet something was missing. What it was missing was obvious. He didn't have a relationship with God. He was following rules, but he had no relationship with God. He had a religion, but he didn't have a relationship. You see, religion, here, please understand, religion will never be your answer. Someone wants to define religion as man's attempt to get to God, and that never works. Religion is simply obeying some rules, trying to come to God. 1500s. A man named Martin Luther, the great reformer, he sought the good life. He he tried through religion. Uh, he once said, "If anyone could have he earned heaven by the life of a monk, it was I." He dedicated himself. He spent hours and hours and hours and hours and hours in prayer, days in fasting. He he did everything he could to to get rid of any kind of uh, lust in his heart, and yet something was missing. And then one day he found Christ, and his life was changed. This man confused religion with relationship. He confused keeping the rules as opposed to relationship. We've, we've talked about this before. One of the most frightening statistics out there is the number of people leaving the church, especially young people. People who are faithful to the church in high school, faithful to the church in high school. Once they leave high school, once they leave college, 70% of them do not return to the church. That's, that's scary. Now, here's the reason They have confused relationship with keeping rules. They made Christianity a religion. They said, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this. We have made Christianity a bunch of checklists, and we're not seeing changed lives. We're seeing people trying to follow guidelines, but they haven't really followed Christ. And Christianity is about a personal relationship. So this man was a man of piety, but something was missing. Well, that leads to chapter 2. Chapter 2 is the question. He says in verse 18, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? That word inherit is important. It means to acquire, to obtain. Usually means to get something I deserve. Now, think about that. He is saying to Jesus, what must I do to get what I deserve? in eternal life. He believed that eternal life was something that someone could earn through merits. He thought he could get eternal life because he was a good guy. Now, we got to be careful. We will start teaching this. We start teaching that eternal life is something you earn. How many times you hear people say, "Well, if you're good, you're going to go to heaven. If you're bad, you're going to go to hell." You know the problem with that is you're assuming you're always good. In fact, you're assuming you're good at all. The Bible says the opposite. The prophet Isaiah said 750 years before this encounter, he said, all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Isaiah 64, 6. All our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Do you know what he's saying? You think of the very best thing you've ever done in life, the very best thing, the thing that you're you're impressed with and, and you're proud of, the very best thing in the sight of God that is filthy rags. Well, if that's our best, what about our worst? Years ago, I made a statement. I I said that we all deserve hell, but by the grace of God, we have salvation through Christ. A man told me later, he said, I disagree with that." He said, no one deserves hell. I disagree with him because the Bible says we do. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. That's what the Bible teaches. We deserve it. We deserve it. You see, we have this idea we deserve salvation. We don't. Oh, we deserve to go to heaven. We don't. We think it's our right. It's not. And until we understand that, we'll miss the grace of God. This rich young ruler, I can see him right now, in his fine robes, immaculate groom, is kneeling in the dirt to this rabbi asking, What must I do to earn what I deserve? Well, that leads to chapter three the answer. Jesus is brilliant. When he answers people, verse 19, Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. This is how Jesus starts. He says, wait a minute, you're calling me a good teacher. Now, by by the way, that phrase is never used in ancient literature. You did not call a rabbi good teacher. You did not. In fact, it was only to the fourth century we find someone using that phrase. Here's a man using a phrase never been done before. Good teacher, good rabbi. Jesus said, okay, stop, time out. Why did you say that? Why are you calling me good? I, is this a con job? You, you, you're trying to butter me up, you know, say, well, hey, you're a good teacher. You, can you help me out? Or, or is it a legitimate statement? Jesus said, why, why are you calling me good? He, Only God is good. Is that what you're saying? Are, are you saying that I am God? Or are you trying to manipulate me? Are you just saying I'm a good teacher or do you really think I'm God? Only God is good. So, the question Jesus said, you're asking about how to have eternal life. The question is, that's the question. Who am I? Who do you say that I am? Why do you call me good? Do you think I'm the Messiah or do you think I'm just a man? Do you think I'm a prophet or do you think I'm God? Do you think I'm the true God or do you think I'm just a teacher? Jesus begins the question by saying, who do you think I really am? Because the answer to that question is going to give you your answer. Who do you really think I am? Why do you say, good? If you're going to discover the truth about eternal life, it will always come back to who Jesus is. Jesus said he was God. Jesus said he was God. Jesus died on a cross. We believe he was buried on the third day of rose. Everything is based upon that. C.S. Lewis. Christian writer says, talking about Jesus, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. Which is true because Jesus said he was God and he's not God, he's a liar. So he couldn't be a moral teacher. Lewis goes on to say, you must take your choice. Either this was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. And Jesus saying to this young man, hey, why do you call me good? Do you really think I'm God? Then Jesus goes to the next set of questions, verse 20. He said, you know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. He begins talking about the Ten Commandments. But did you notice he doesn't mention all the Ten Commandments? He only mentions the ethical ones, the horizontal ones. These are the commandments with other people. Jesus doesn't mention any of the commandments relating to God. You know, the commandments like, have no other gods before you, have no idols, don't take the Lord's name in vain. He's talking about the ethical commandments. Verse 21, the man said, All these things I have kept for my youth. That word kept means I have kept, continually kept, and always will keep. This man is saying to Jesus, Those commandments I have kept since I was a child, and I've never broken them. Now, in his mind, that is a true statement. In his mind, he really believed he kept all those commandments. In fact, Mark says, when he answered this, Jesus loved him. So Jesus looks at the young man and says in verse 22, one thing you still lack, Sell all that you possess and distribute to the poor and you shall have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Jesus says, okay, you've been keeping those commandments. Great one thing you lack, one thing's missing. You take all your possessions, you sell them, and distribute them to the poor. Literally, it means to many people. Jesus didn't say, I want you to go sell everything and and build a building or or sell everything and start an organization. No, he said, I want you to sell everything you have and give it to many poor people. Not just one, many of them. They, They have no power to reward you. Can you imagine what he's saying? Sell everything? I mean, why? I mean, why did Jesus say this? And I know what some of you are thinking. You say, wait, time out, time out, time out. Are you saying that all of us need to sell everything? No, no. You see, people are taking this as a universal command, but this is a command directed to one person. You got to personalize this, not universalize it. You say, how do you know that? Because Jesus, in the book of John, chapter 3, was talking to a man named Nicodemus, who was one of the richest men in Jerusalem, and Jesus never said that to Nicodemus. Jesus called uh, John and James. They owned their own business, and Jesus didn't say, hey, sell your business. He said, just follow me. You see, what Jesus is doing, here's this man. He has a God. His God is his possessions. That's what Jesus is dealing with. Years ago, Stephen Colbert on his show was talking about this. He said, Jesus actually said rich people should sell all their possessions, give the poor money to the poor. Well, first of all, interesting enough, Colbert, you haven't sold your stuff. And second, Jesus didn't say it to all people. Just this man. And by the way, if you consider that two-thirds of the world population makes $2 a day, all of us are rich by the world standard. So why did Jesus say it? I mean, why did Jesus say to this? Remember... The list of commands. Jesus mentioned those connected to people. He left all the, those commands related to God. Because here's what he's showing the, this young man. The relationship to God is messed up. You're relying on things as your God. And if you look through the Bible, God always asks people to throw down what they hold on to. God always throw, asks us to throw down, give up the things that we make of God. For example... God told Moses to throw down his rod, the staff. That was a symbol of his power. That was a symbol of his authority. God told Abraham to leave his land and walk out in the desert. God told Peter to leave your nets, leave your fishing business. Whatever you have made your God, that's what God's going to ask you to give up. Corey Tim Boom said, I've learned that we must hold everything loosely because when I grip it tightly, it hurts when my father pries my fingers loose and take it from me. This man's possession, this man's money was his God. And Jesus is saying, you've got to get rid of that God to come to the real God. Now, by the way, all through Luke, Jesus has been saying this. Luke chapter 16, verse 13, he said, No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one, love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despised by the other. You cannot serve both God and man and money luke chapter 14 verse 33 he said in the same way any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciples here's what jesus is doing he's looking at a man say you got to get rid of your god to come to the real god and then jesus said two commands come and follow he said you got to come you got you got to forsake yourself you, you got to give everything up and come to me jesus wasn't offended the man had wealth he was offended the man loved the wealth you cannot put anything ahead of God and expect to follow God. Now, I don't know what it might be like for you. It's possible God may ask you to give up your job. God may ask you to give up your hobby. God may ask you to, uh, to, to give up your computer or your iPhone or social media. I don't know. Maybe, maybe God is going to ask you to give up your friends. I don't know. But whatever you have put in front of God, that's usually what God, that's what God is going to ask us to give up. Anything we say, this is my God... God says, no it's not, let it go and follow me. Jesus said, forsake himself and follow Jesus. Listen, you don't get to heaven by giving things up. You get to heaven through Jesus Christ by following him. You don't get to heaven through subtraction. Jesus said, give it up and follow me. I don't know what you're chasing in life is your priority. But I know this, you'll never find peace apart from Jesus. And Jesus said, follow me. What an invitation. What an invitation. Follow me. Be one of my disciples. Chapter 4, the response. Verse 23. When he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. That word very sad is the word grieving has the connotation of grieving the loss of a child, the loss of a spouse, or the loss of a parent. This man is hurting because he loves his money and his stuff. And Jesus said, leave it there, follow me. And the man couldn't do it. And he walked away. You know, in real sense, he already broken the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before you. He had a God and Jesus pierced this man's heart to show him his priority wasn't God it was himself and Jesus turned to the disciples and and was telling them he really tells the secret about salvation verse 27 the things that are impossible with people are possible with God here's what Jesus is saying you cannot earn your way into heaven you cannot buy your way into heaven in fact you can't get into heaven on your own it is impossible but with God it's possible because God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. God sent his son, Jesus, down a cross 2,000 years ago for us, was buried and the third day arose. He is a substitute for our sins. That's how we can have salvation. And because of that, we can listen to Jesus. One preacher said this, if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. And if he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about what he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. We can read this passage knowing that Jesus did rise from the dead. That's why we take it seriously. How do you have eternal life? By getting rid of your gods and following Jesus. Will you do it this morning? If you're watching online and you want to give your life to Christ, if you just text the word today at 270-270. 398-5005, 398 and a minister will call you today and talk to you about your decision. But if you're here this morning, in a few moments we'll be singing, the ministers be at the front, just come to the front and say, I need to give my life to Christ. But before we sing this song, I want you to think about something. I heard, I heard this from a preacher one time. As that rich young ruler was walking away, this preacher said he could imagine the angel in heaven about to write his name in the book of life. He was about to write his name in the book of life and the guy walked away, and the name wasn't written. Some of you this morning, here and online, the angel is about to write your name in the book of life. But if you walk away, he's not writing it today. Will you be sure he writes your name today in the book of life? Will you stand by your heads? Father in heaven, let us not be like this rich young ruler who loved things more than he loved God. And Father, for that person today who's struggling about who Jesus is, reveal to them right now who he is. He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's the one that died on a cross for their sins, He's the one that took the sacrifice so that they could be saved. Father, I pray you open hearts and minds today that people will give their life to you. For some, Father, it may be by coming forward saying, I want to give my life to Christ. For others, it may be another decision like joining this church. For some, it may be rededicating their life. It may be, Father, for some, they realize that I have slowly made something else a God and I need to let it go. Father, speak to us and let us obey.